Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. He's going to have an incredible time in God's presence. What's the name of the series we're in? Let's talk about it. And, and I'm going to ask the media to really just key in with me this morning. And so I'm going to actually ask us to stand up for the reading of this text here in the book of Genesis, chapter 34, verses 1 to 4. And we're going to be reading from the NIV this, ver- this morning, NIV version. Just four verses is our main text this morning, and we're going to read it together. One, two, go. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, had born to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the land. Verse two, when Shechem, son of Hamor, the Hivite, the ruler of that area, saw her, he took her and raped her. Verse three, his heart was drawn to Dinah, daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. Verse 4, and Shechem said to his father, Hamor, get me this girl as my wife. Let us pray. Merciful Father, we submit our attention to you this morning. We call upon you, Spirit of the living God, to come and interrupt our mind, our thoughts, and capture our attention with what you want to accomplish in this word. Lord, I release myself fully to you. Pray that you use everything that you need in order to deliver this word. And may every single heart in this place receive what you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. As you're sitting down, tell your neighbor the title of this message is called Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. So just to give you a little bit of a backstory here, we find ourselves with this story of a girl named Dinah. Tell your neighbor Dinah. So... Just to give you a little back text, Jacob is Dinah's father, and if we know anything about Jacob, he has a twin brother named Esau. They get into a little scuffle because basically Jacob does his brother Esau dirty and steals his birthright. After he steals his birthright, he just heads off on his own accord, and we find him in the book of Genesis that he stumbles upon a land where he sees a gorgeous girl, and her father's name is Laban. The gorgeous girl happens to be named Rachel. And Rachel is gorgeous. She's a dime. She's tens all across the board. Everything that he'd ever want. But Laban says, yeah, 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 you can marry my daughter, but I'm going to need you to serve me for about seven years. Seven years. Serve me. Free. Slavery, basically. Just to get my wife. And how many of you who are already pressed up about, you know, you know, you like a girl and the dad is already giving you trouble for one day. How about serving someone for seven years? He serves her father for seven years, and it is custom at that time that when you get married, the bride is covered in a veil, and she goes into the room of her husband, and they make love, and that consummates the marriage, and then the next morning, they see each other because it's bright enough outside, right? And so Jacob is excited. He gets his wife. He makes love to her. It's consummated, but in the morning, that ain't Rachel. Talk about mistaken identity. And I know some of you are thinking, well, how would he not know? Listen, I don't know the details, but the man did not know. In fact, the person that he was laying next to that he had unfortunately wifed up was the older sister of Rachel named Leah. Leah was kind of (laughs) ugly. She was definitely not a 10 across the board. She was more like a four with a cute personality. (laughs) Had a cute waist, but she had a lazy eye. And unfortunately, hey, I'm telling you, that's what the theologians say. She was not the most desirable. She had a great personality, but a lot of things were missing. So, of course, Jacob is upset, goes to the father-in-law. Why the heck 
would you give me her? And the father-in-law was like, I'm sorry, but I can't let you marry the younger before the older. So she's your problem now. Jacob is like, well, how am I going to get the one I want? Laban says, stay seven more years. My God, exactly. Crazy, right? So he stuck with the new wife, but really loves Rachel, and he serves seven more years, a total of 14 years for one girl, one chicken. You tired, bro? After two months, 14 years, he does what he needs to do just to get Rachel in. Finally, they get married. And you would think everything would be perfect, that the two lovebirds would love each other, but don't forget, Leah's there. Leah's there, and she's very, very aware that Jacob never wanted her in the first place. In fact, she's filled with so much insecurity, and she feels just like second best that she cries out to God, and God sees her heart and says, you know what, let me give you a baby. Because back in the day then, that custom, that culture, the only thing that women valued back then was marriage and multiplying. So God just almost gave her a consolation prize. That's how she had Reuben. So she has this son. And for years she goes on and she's just trying to prove the love and the affection of Jacob. And Jacob's like, I'm not interested. So God keeps blessing her with another baby and another baby. And guess who ain't getting pregnant? Rachel. Wild, right? Despite how many kids she has for Jacob, it's never enough. Some of you right now, you are doing whatever you can to win the love and the affection of somebody, and it's never enough. You are bending yourself backward, and you are negotiating your worth just to compete with somebody's attention and their desire when you're not the one. That's Leah and what she did. And so we find that years go by, and... Basically, we see that she ends up having a total of six sons. That's a lot of kids, right? In fact, Genesis chapter 30 verse 19 tells us God said God rewarded her and finally gave her a sixth biological son. In the midst of all of that, she even used a servant to say, have kids with my husband. It's a mess. The Bible is messy. It's more than Jerry Springer, y'all. It's a lot. So we got six kids, and I want us to look at Genesis Chapter 30, verse 21. So after all these six sons, what did the Bible say? Sometime later, she gave birth to a daughter, and her name was, tell, say it out loud. Sometime later. In fact, Dinah becomes the only girl of all guys. And in fact, what's so crazy is Dinah is the only child Leah ever has without trying to prove something to her husband, Jacob. She is actually the one that doesn't carry Leah's insecurity. She's the one that comes outside of the insecurity and the competitiveness that Leah feels with Rachel. Dinah is special. Dinah came when nobody thought that they needed another child. She's the only girl, the treasure of the family. So what is Dinah, a covenant woman, doing in Shechem? Our main text, Genesis chapter 34, verse 1 says she was going out like many of us do we just go out travel i'm going to tulum i'm going to my friends you know we're gonna do a weekend in miami covenant child going out on her own and it, it dawned on me that back then when i was studying you don't go out on your own when you're a single woman without protection right Bible says all her brothers were actually rearing sheep and attending to the livestock. So what is a single innocent girl going out on her own? So many of us, 
When you're a covenant child, you realize you don't even think twice before making certain decisions, right? I want us to understand that anyone who has a covenant on their life must have boundaries. You can't live like everyone else. What is the treasure of the family going out just to visit? What is she doing on her own? Maybe she was so anxious to go out and she didn't want to wait for her brothers to come back like some of us are. We have a plan. We want to go now. Like you are saying, oh, I'm going to do a solo travel, but you know good and darn well you need to be going with people. You're just going out on your own, making decisions that are not considering the covenant that's over your life. And like I was saying before that in the first service that many of us don't realize that the discernment of one person cannot apply to your situation, right? What is, a, what is applicable and perfectly fine for you can't be the same for the other person because the assignment is different. You have a different call upon your life that will have to dictate you to say, take, certain, take certain precautions. You can't just suddenly say, I'm going to do this only because it's trendy and it's what makes sense. God has a different calling upon your life that requires different precautions and different protection. So Dinah goes out. And the Bible says she mixes with the other woman and she hands up in the hands of Shechem. Who is Shechem? I did some studying to save you the trouble. The Bible says Shechem in the Bible in, Abra in the book of Genesis chapter 12 verse 6. Shechem was actually a location that God told Abram he would give to his offspring. The land of Shechem. I want us to pay attention here. The land of Shechem is a, a location that God told Abram. This is before he became Abraham. This is her great-grandfather. That I will give your people this land someday. Let me blow your mind here. I was doing some more studying about Shechem. The book of Joshua 21, verse 21. Let me... Let me, let, me, let me do you something real quick. The Bible says, in the hill country of Ephraim where they were given, Shechem, a city of refuge for one accused of murder in Jezar. The Bible tells us as they were running in, in the, the book of Joshua that Shechem is actually part of the promised land that the Israelites received. Are you tracking with me? So you mean to tell me that after the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years, that same Shechem was a location where they was part of the promised land God had given them. Maybe the attraction Dinah and Shechem wasn't bad. Maybe if they played their cards right, they were supposed to be together to set the people of Israel up in Shechem already without being enslaved. That'll hit you later for some people who are not paying attention. You mean to tell me that the same land that Dinah and Shechem messed up in is what God had for the people of Israel the whole time? So you mean to tell me that the covenant on Dinah's life was so important that all she had to do was marry right to set her people up for success? Wake up call. Life is not all about you. Your actions have a major ripple effect that can affect generations. Stop thinking about yourself. It's not about you. The Bible says, let me just tell you something to confirm in Genesis chapter 34, verse 3. Obviously, Shechem did the worst thing ever. He violated her, snatched up her virginity. And what does he say? His heart 
was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. Maybe God had that attraction for a purpose, but they prematurely interrupted it with sin. And it broke apart God's perfect plan. Fatal attraction. What is the attraction that you're having that is God-ordained that your sin is making fatal? Fatal attraction. Fatal attraction is when something is so good and the relationship is so good, but there's a part of it that is so wrong. In fact, if we had more time, I'd show you in the text where her brothers go in Genesis chapter 34 and, you know, the dad didn't even want to tell the brothers initially what happened. Like, they didn't even want to tell because if you know anything about, this is, by the way, Reuben and all of them, that's Joseph's brothers, the same one that put him in the pit. So you know they want the smoke. Like, all day, any day, they are ready, strapped. The, the dad did not want to tell them what happened initially. He was like, ah. If I tell them now, you know, they're going to act up. He knew. But they heard anyway. Word got on the street. Where they were working, rumor entered. And they were like, what? And you know those brothers strapped. They went home. Forget the livestock. Let's go see. They did what to my little sister? Crazy thing happens. Genesis chapter 34. It says that Shechem's dad immediately goes to Jacob and is like, can we just do something about this situation. How about we just marry her? Because my son actually really loves her, and I know he went about it the wrong way. And even Jacob's like, you know what? Okay, maybe we can make it work. And here's what the brothers do, because they're Israelites. Well, we can't just marry her off. All the men have to be circumcised. Circumcision, wow. Circumcision at, at old age. Think about it. All of them have to be circumcised. That's a wild thing to ask for. As wild as it was, Shechem's father agreed. And the brothers, always strapped, went to the town and circumcised all the men. Let me, let me, let me keep you there. So you mean to tell me <laughs> that even though Dinah and Shechem had made such a mess, God's will was still going to override things and make things work together for the good of any way. So you mean to tell me that you can have a fatal attraction and God can still pick the pieces up of your life and still uphold his promise because his word is bond. Yeah, that's good for somebody in this room who thinks they stepped out of promise and alignment so much that I'm not really sure if God can do. Yeah, he can. He got you. And so they do the due diligence. Of course, they're men, they're older, and they're sore. And... <laughs> These men are sore and they laid out at home. You know, their, their wives are giving them soup and like, you know, if Yoruba would say, palek, palek, sorry. You know, they're soothing them. But again, I told you, Reuben and his brothers, they're always strapped. They wanted the smoke. They said it wasn't enough for them to be circumcised. You mean to tell me that they did this to our sister? They, all of them got to die. And... For the men in this room, listen, my husband helped me with this, you know, this sermon prep, so he kind of helped me understand things. For the men of this room, you know, apparently when you're circumcised, you're you out for the count, right? Like you need to chill for a couple of days, right? So you're not on your A game. And in the middle of them recovering, right, the so-called Reuben and the brothers decided to come and attack them. 
and they killed them all, including Shechem. Bible says at the end of chapter 34 that when Jacob saw what his sons did, they said, why would you do such a thing? Oh, I love what the brother said. Look at Genesis chapter 34, verse 31. Let's read the text. But they replied, should we have treated our sister like a prostitute? Family values. Oh, You see, this is what I was saying to us, that some of us, we don't know what our family values. When we're stepping out of bounds and dealing and going out and we have no boundaries and doing whatever, we don't know that the family values are still going to stand. See, it doesn't matter if they were circumcised. The brothers are like, no, you are not going to treat our, our sister like a harlot. We have to defend our honor. And so many of you, you don't know how valuable you are. You don't know how treasured you are. You don't know the extent that people are going to go and the people that love your life are going to go to protect you. Your anointing is it's too great to think selfishly about yourself. Your calling is too heavy for you to be so bothered by these small incidences in your life. You cannot be taking momentary decisions over your life. You cannot do these things. Wake up. You're treasured. You're a covenant child. You're spoken for. You cannot live a life ordinarily. Our lives are connected to the life and purpose that we live, but we clearly despite because of the purpose. And let me rephrase that. Some of us, we don't understand that we are dimming our purpose based off of the actions we take. You ever been in a place you're really not supposed to be and you see somebody that you know in another situation? <laughs> oh, you're here, girl? Yeah. <laughs> What you doing here? Oh, I'm here too. Like, hello. And all of a sudden you're reminded that I ain't got no business doing being here. What am I here for? Sometimes that's God's grace reminding you to step back in alignment. Sometimes you need to really look in the mirror and say, I need to really put my life to, together because I can't keep running out of purpose. Cannot afford to be careless. And in the case of marriage, it is so key to your destiny. We never hear about Dinah again. We never hear about her again in the scripture. I know when I was looking and studying for this, I was like, is there no his historian that gives us a little something about what became of her? Nobody can make up what happened to Dinah. So many of us, we treat our lives so whimsically. We think that you're forever going to be this age and forever going to be this fine. Hello, gravity happens, reality happens, and you're not always going to be packaged the way you are. What is going to make you relevant beyond your appearance? What legacy are you going to live behind? Will you ever be spoken about again? Will your grandchildren be proud enough to speak about what you did? Or would you just be the example of the family of what not to do? Think about it. Fatal attractions are all around us. Attracted to the things we shouldn't be attracted to when we're running into fatal situations, playing with fire and hoping it works out. God understands. Yeah, he understands and he's still going to judge you. When people say only God can judge me, I'm like, that's a wild thing because when God judges, 
That's the worst. Thank you, sis. That's the worst. I want you to think deeply. You cannot afford to be selfish with your life. You must consider who's connected to you. Who's connected? What am I here for, God? How am I going to appropriately attract the destiny partner I need to have? How am I going to appropriately attract the things that God is calling me to be? These things are not accidental. You can't pray away bad habits. You can't pray away bad patterns. You can't pray away poor decision making. You've got to put certain things in alignment and say, you know what? I have no business being there. I'm not going to go. And some of us, we dress up, we get in the car, and we know we're going to the location we have no business going to, and we go anyway. Every time you silence that conviction, the next time the conviction comes, it will get quieter. The more you accommodate yourself to not listen to God, the more he will speak loud enough for you to hear. You must sharpen your ears. Obey. God, why is it that I'm feeling uncomfortable about going this, to this place? God does not owe you an answer. Just don't go. See, until you get to that place in your life where you don't need an explanation and you just obey. You've not made it. I'm telling you. You need to stop drinking milk as a believer. Grow up. God does not have to explain everything to you in detail for you to obey. Conviction is enough. Discomfort is enough. Mm, that's enough. That feeling is enough. Do you, why do you always feel like God has to give you evidence? Who are you to God? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Who are you to God? You go into the creator of the universe. Well, you got to tell me why I can't be. Ah. What? Like, like he is the lion and the lamb. Like, he will lie on you real fast if you, like, why are we always going to God expecting him? I mean, I am not saying that in the early days of our walk with him, he won't take time to explain. But as you mature, explanations are not needed. Obedience is the only answer. Just obey. Just obey. Don't text her. Just obey. And the, I know, don't text him either. That's, see, she got that personal. Don't go there. Just don't go. End the relationship. Do it. Even if he is the perfect person, if she is like, you're a, like this is the best thing that you've ever seen, and you feel like if there is something convicting you to end it, just do it. You don't know the future. Only God does. He is Alpha and Omega. The way he processes, the way he processes information is incompleteness. Your ability to process information is incomplete. You don't know enough about your life. You must trust the conviction. Stop trying to get God to okay your desire when that's not his will. Trust the conviction. Maybe Dinah had a conviction that she had no business going out to the land without her brothers. But she said, oh, it's fine. They know me. I'll be fine. Maybe she, some theologians say that they may have had a previous interaction and she's like oh I wonder if I could just look at him today and see him I'm not here to victim blame rape is terrible but I'm also here to say that when you are in alignment with covenant the enemy has a target on your back to destroy you 
And you have to understand that the opportunities that God is convicting you to stay away from the enemy is also going to draw you and attract you to walk into so he can trap you. Destiny is never achieved by doing the norm. In fact, when it's too normal, I question it. Oh, you have to get to that place. Sometimes I have an idea. If it's not big enough, I question it. Because I serve a living God who has created me to be large. I, I, it's not that I don't want to do certain things, but the call upon my life is too great for me to do them. You don't think I want to be at the concerts y'all are at, enjoying myself, living my best life. But if I walk into that room, that makes being at that place okay for so many people who can see me. And I'm disrupting the witness. See, some of y'all don't understand. You're thinking, oh, I'm just, nobody's going to know me. I'm just going to wear a hat. <laughs> I'm being real because you know you've thought that thought before. But that's, you cannot disguise yourself when you are a child of God. It's either you're hot or you're cold, period. So if you're sitting here in this room right now and you find yourself being attracted to the most fatal things, I just want you to close your eyes and, and I want you to just take this moment to talk to Jesus and talk to our Lord and Savior. And I want you to ask the Lord to expose any way that you have walked into some fatal situations Maybe right now you're in a season where you're actually playing with fire. I want you to bow your heads and begin to pray for yourself. Pray concerning the things that you're unsure of, the decisions that you're having the hardest time making, the convictions you've quieted, the warnings that you have not taken seriously. Let the Lord interrupt your thought pattern and deliver you this morning. Let him take full control and captivity over your thoughts, your mind, your desires. Lord, search me. I don't want to get this thing wrong. I need you to show me what I'm doing. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you are in this room right now, and as we're speaking, you're hearing the word covenant and all these things, and you just know that you are not in alignment and you are not in a true relationship with Jesus, whether this be your first time or your 10th time, I want to welcome you into a relationship with him this morning. I want you to signify by raising your hand if you would like to give your life to Christ. And the ushers are going to come right around you and give you a card. If you would just lift up your hand right now and accept Jesus into your heart. I don't care if this is the 10th time you've had to do it. If you're online right now, I want you to text. I want you to message saved in the chat so we can attend to you. Merciful Father, we thank you for your people this morning. We thank you because this word has not gone to deaf ears. We thank you because, Almighty, you have reignited our understanding and given us great perspective. Father, we call upon you right now to remove every fatal attraction we are in, in the name of Jesus. Every single attraction that is not of God. Lord God, we destroy it in the name of Jesus. We break yokes, we break soul ties. Lord God, we separate ourselves from anything that you have not ordained in the name of Jesus. Merciful Father, if there's anyone, oh Lord God, 
who is at the cusp of making an important decision. I pray because of this word, clarity has come forth in the name of Jesus. I pray deliverance has come forth in the name of Jesus. And Father God, we worship you and we thank you because that which you have, which you have done has already been established. In Jesus' mighty, precious name we pray. Amen. Can we give God some praise and thank him? Thank you for tuning into the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Again, text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.